Hi. Uh, well, hello. Uh, is this thing turned on? I guess, uh, the light's on, so, um, yeah. I'm not, uh, one to really, uh, do this much, but I'm First Officer James Savila of the Prospector Ashes Tribute. Um, yeah, as of, uh, as of now, I guess I'm acting captain with the, with the death of, well, basically everybody aboard, but I guess, uh, some context is, uh, well, needed. Basically, 24 hours ago, on a normal comet mining expedition, as, a as you know, the prospecting ship would do, we discovered a strange comet. A comet, unlike any we have uh, normally gathered, which is primarily what we do, bringing them into our hold and kind of letting the various ice and other, well, frozen, it's cold in space, materials, well, melt or evaporate or dissipate or whatever the hell the mining teams do. And this one was different. They detected organic material, which isn't super common and um well i guess could blame the science team but in reality everyone i guess is to blame the science guys they well got excited alien life is worth a pretty penny could be used for pharmaceuticals or well industrial applications foodstuffs you know a nice way to get a bonus i guess but In this case, it was, well, not that. In this case, ended up being fungal in nature. I guess some sort of new type of fungus able to survive in the void of space and frozen for, well, millennia? I don't know. That's beyond my expertise. Anyways, I'm I'm rambling and time is running out. I've got, well, the blinking red light tells me less than 30 minutes of oxygen. Long story short, Only a small handful of us survived the initial outbreak of this fungal infection. And it happened so, so quick. I mean, unbelievably quick. When the first scientists began running their tests with, well, rudimentary precautions involved, these microscopic fungal spores invaded through their respirators, invading their lungs, and in minutes, growths sprouted from inside of them. Growths took over them, devouring them from the inside. In minutes, dead, gone, devoured. Corpses bloated, ballooning, exploding, releasing more spores into the ship. Before we knew it, half the crew was infected. Spores everywhere. Nowhere is safe. Only with his last desperate gasps, the captain was able to broadcast a message to don spacesuits. Prepare for evac. Although, well, unfortunately... Our lifeboat was infested too, as a poor miner discovered. First in, not waiting for anybody else, he thought himself safe, but scrubbers can't scrub this. Too small, microscopic spores, beyond microscopic. I have one last task I must attend to. Turns out one of those engineers, those guys that like to hang out in the greasy bottom of the ship, not willing to interact with those they call their betters sarcastically. One of those guys, in desperation, I guess, or maybe he always was this way and we didn't know, started killing some of the others, killing them with one of those big, tough wrenches they use, killing him and taking his oxygen. 
the tank right off his back. I saw him down one of the corridors and ran, hid where I am now. However, I suspect the greasy bastard is trying to get into the flight deck. Before it all went to shit, he uh, was the one who was leading the desperate call to flee into the drift, to find an anchorage to survive. In doing so, they will spread this disease. It could wipe out a whole colony. I've never seen anything like it. This is my likely final log. Even now, I can hear them attempting to gain access into the bridge. Unfortunately, I'm trapped outside. However, if I can make a distraction, perhaps I can disable the controls. Destroy them. Regardless, oh, I'm so scared, but I, I must do this. This is, as I said, likely the last anyone will hear of me alive. I am First Officer James Savila of Ashes Tribute. If anyone discovers this, wish me luck. The whole fate of the sector may rest in my actions. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Roll, the solo role-playing podcast where I, your host, player, and GM, Hero Cities, play role-playing games for your listening pleasure. As I'm sure you're all aware, there has been a significant gap of time between this episode and the last episode I was able to record. Unfortunately, due to a variety of different factors, including work, a gaming convention that I went to, and my wife's mom needing some assistance to move out of where she is currently living, has left me with little extra time to attend to the podcast. It's always my goal to try and record at least two episodes a month. And of course, that's going to be my goal going forward, but a goal is just that. It's not always going to happen. And of course, family, work, and all of that kind of stuff takes precedence over my hobbies, which of course includes the One Guy, One Role podcast. That said, I'm happy to be back into the world of Ironsworn Starforged with Nikora Sokolov. Our rugged yet resourceful smuggler, captain of the Second Chance. Since it has been a significant period of time since we've been back into the forge, we won't go into a huge recap because it would just be a waste of time and there's 37 other episodes you can listen to. After Nikora completed his vow to Creed, delivering the memory core of Subject Alpha to him, the AI from the Space Station Prosperity. Despite the success of this first vow, things are not looking good as usual aboard the Second Chance. Low on supplies, low on health, low on spirit, and with the spaceship barely being held together by the enigmatic tinker, kind of the engineer aboard the Second Chance, They took off back into space in an attempt to find a safe anchorage in order to get some much-needed repairs and R&R. However, Tinker, during their downtime in drift space and waiting for the E-Drive to recharge, literally tinkered around with Subject Alpha and somehow managed to merge the consciousness of the AI into the second chance, thereby merging Subject Alpha with Chance, the VI, aboard the second chance. Naturally suspicious of AI, Petra is furious over this, threatening to even leave the second chance and go about her own way. 
Nakora manages to talk her down a little bit. And even though Subject Alpha is now Subject Chance, more or less, it appears to be fully capable of making independent decisions and doing its own thing aboard the ship. Unlike Chance, which was a virtual intelligence, therefore shackled to the directives given upon it by the other crew members, Subject Alpha has no such programming. Although, for now, since the AI is trapped in the circuitry, the computer aboard the second chance, there seems to be no reason for it to go against what Nakora and the rest of the crew are planning unless it's going to directly affect the AI itself. Still more or less blindly jumping through the drift, the crew finds themselves witnessing a skirmish between House Volturius and House Tectum, in which House Volturius appears to have the upper hand driving off the ships of House Tectum over some trading way station of some kind that may have been a House Tectum resupply depot or something like that. However, after beating their hasty retreat from the scene of the battle, the second chance comes across a derelict spaceship, a spaceship that appears to have some sort of comms interference being trapped in some sort of strange energy field, rendering communications to the vessel nearly impossible. With his background of scavenging, and with the derelict appearing to be unoccupied, Nakora decides that they need to get aboard, find any supplies that might still be around in order to have any chance of successfully completing their expedition to try and find some sort of safe anchorage. However, upon entering into this strange derelict spaceship, there's this odd white, seems like dust floating in the air. Attaching to the spacesuit Nakora wears, coating everything, his helmet, making it hard to see, and odd growths sprouting from the floor, from these strange lumps looking like tumors on the floor. For the most part, the ship appears to be empty, as quiet as the grave. Exploring through the vessel, checking out the crew corridors and the engineering floor, struggling his way through these thick clouds of milky white spores, the court does find a body, although covered in these odd fungal spores. Nakora can make out that the faceplate of this individual's spacesuit is cracked and broken inward, as if smashed. And as our episode comes to a start, Nakora has brushed away just enough of the suit to reveal a name tag, First Officer Sevilla. So, with our introduction out of the way, let's get into it. Finding the First Officer, helmet crushed, covered in these fungal spores, makes Nakora very concerned. Looking down at his own spacesuit, covered in these spores, he begins to worry about what exactly he can do about it. Moving back into the crew area, wiping more of the spores from some of the equipment in there, Nakora looks around. This time not for any spare equipment or anything like that, but anything that might help him to survive or solve this problem that's going on right now. This will, of course, be a gather information roll, which is plus wits for us, a plus three. A two and a three on the challenge dice, and a four on our action dice. Strong hit. On a strong hit, you discover something helpful and specific. Plus two momentum. 
bringing our momentum up to an astonishing 10. Nakora, upon his searching of the crew corridors, comes across First Officer James Savila's room, inside of which is the ship's log, an audio recording device which I imagine is kind of like a black box for a spaceship. Contains all of the captain's notes, first officer's notes. You download like engineering data. All of that goes into this device, which can theoretically survive crashes, accidents, stuff like that. Although, much like the real world, that's not always the case in space. I imagine that with how expensive spaceships are, a lot of them are not outright wholly owned by smaller guilds or offshoots of the guilds or even individuals trying to ply their trade out in space. Instead, they're owned by holding companies who then lease them out for people to use. And the data contained within these ship logs is used by these leasing companies or even insurance companies to ensure that the leasees are complying with whatever terms the contract from the leasor has been agreed to. Reviewing this log shows Nakora that these events aboard this vessel actually happened relatively recently. In fact, it appears to have occurred only about a week ago, which helps to explain, perhaps helps to explain, why none of this fungal mass has started to decay, or why, like the body of the first officer, was not completely devastated by the fungus, like supposedly what all the rest of these lumps and piles of fungal matter are suspected to be. However, listening to this final log by first officer James Sevilla, Nakora begins to think, begins to think and wonder, with all the oxygen this rogue engineer might have been able to recover, is it possible he has survived a week? Is it possible he might try to gain access back to the second chance? Could he be still alive? Nakora decides it's possible, though unlikely, he was able to scavenge enough oxygen to last the entire week. Scanning back through the captain's log for the previous 24 hours before the incident occurred, Nakora learns that this comment the Ashes Tribute collected actually originated within this very same system. In fact, besides getting caught in whatever this unusually strange electrical storm that's occurring outside, the actual location where this comment was harvested was not far off from here at all. In fact, this was just merely one little chunk of the larger comet itself. This comet, hurtling through space containing an untold number of these deadly spores, could literally be a planet ender, perhaps even a sector-wide catastrophe. However, Nakora has more pressing concerns. Continuing to read through the captain's log, what little experimentation the lone scientist, more of a mineralogist than a biologist and much less a mycologist, nevertheless conducted a few tests on these spores before they were able to escape from their rather rudimentary containment. 
it appears as though these fungal spores react instinctively to energy being applied to them. This scientist noticed that these spores generate a strange field around them when exposed to specifically electrical energy. The strange field either allows for some rudimentary form of communication or actually sustains the fungus itself, perhaps lying dormant when there isn't this energy available to the larger fungal entity itself. Unfortunately, before being able to experiment further, these fungal spores manage to escape from containment, infect the scientist himself, and from there spread out through the ship. Now, Nakora is no scientist, but he's getting desperate to find some sort of way, some sort of method of clearing off these spores and of getting out of here alive, especially because he's already been here for probably about an hour, maybe a little more. And as we know, Nakora is always seemingly running out of oxygen on these little expeditions he puts together. Of course, Tinker would be extremely helpful to have in this plan Nakora is coming up with. Plans which, as we know, notoriously go exactly as discussed. I guess one question I have to answer is, from the airlock console itself, without exposing the inside of the second chance to whatever the hell is going on in this place. I think it's certain that if you are on the outside of the airlock of the second chance, you could plug into comms there in order to talk to the ship. However, with an airlock attached, Nakora doesn't want to expose the possibility of this spore, this fungal spore, attaching to his ship. So, from inside this vessel, is it hard-connected, communications-wise, to the second chance? I think it's a small chance. I don't think there's, there's any way. 46, no. So, Nakora has no way to communicate with the second chance unless he wants to risk exposure of the spores to the second chance, which he is not willing to do yet. Tucking away the captain's log, Nakora gathers up himself and proceeds to make his way towards the back of the ship and down into the bowels, into the tight, narrow, cramped corridors of the engineering section of the derelict ship. Nakora has come up with a single, desperate plan. A plan that might result in disaster, or ultimately rescuing himself and possibly the entirety of the Kosas flow from this, well, fungal disaster waiting to happen. This lower portion of the ship, the engineering section, appears to be less affected by the fungal spores than the upper decks of the ship where there were likely more people. There are a few considerably large mounds of fungal matter, which Nakora assumes were people that were affected by these spores and then, then became further hosts for more colonies of the fungus itself. When Nakora first was investigating the Ashes Tribute, he did not come down to the engineering portion of the ship. He mostly explored the cargo area, briefly the science lab, and then mostly in the crew quarters. However, it's fairly easy to tell what's going on in this place. Although the spores make everything hard to see, everything's covered, it's set in a logical orientation, similar to most all ships. Down and backwards, towards the rear of the ship where the engines are, is where engineering is going to be. 
However, with the narrow tight corridors, potential obstacles in the way, and the general confusing nature of limited visibility, we're going to set a course across hazardous terrain. Roll plus supply. A one and a 10 on our challenge dice and a one on our action dice plus our supply of three weak hit. Nakora manages to make his way down to the engineering section with no real major issues. However, upon reaching kind of the central core area of the engineering department where the main generator, the main source of electrical power for this whole vessel is located, Nakora discovers the whole room has been barricaded from the outside. With only one quarter in, one quarter out, this makeshift barricade is going to pose a serious problem. Although relatively hastily erected, it has been more or less welded together with rudimentary pieces of scrap metal, pipe, and other miscellaneous debris that would be laying around in an engineering section of a rather large prospecting vessel. This would be all but impossible if Nakora didn't have a small welding torch on his tool belt, which he always carries with him. Just as he starts to hunch over and begin to get to work on this makeshift barricade, a familiar flashing red light appears in the corner of his vision. Shit, not this again, Nakora curses. From now on, I swear I am always going to carry extra oxygen with me. This is getting ridiculous. That red warning light, as we know, means less than 30 minutes of oxygen left in his suit. Due to our oxygen situation deteriorating, Nakora is going to face danger with speed, mobility, or agility, plus edge. For us, a plus two. Hunched over, working away at this makeshift barricade in front of him, Nakora finds that his small little welding torch is not doing a great job cutting through these welding points. However, he is making progress, although slowly. And even more unfortunately for Nakora, we rolled a 7 and a 10 on our challenge dice and a 3 on our action dice. So totally and completely focused on his task at hand. Cutting through one pipe, then through a weld, pushing, kicking, and pulling on it, Nakora almost has enough room to where he could wiggle through this makeshift barricade, although potentially tearing his suit in the process. Unfortunately for Nakora, he doesn't notice that behind him, this metal walkway he's on slowly lifts up, revealing trembling fingers entirely coated in this thick, white, milky spores. So thick that one can barely see the spacesuit being worn by the man lifting the grate. Even as the head of this spacesuit comes out with the grate above his hand, which he sets down gently behind him, trying not to make noise. The only part of the visor of this suit which is clean is where his eyes are. These wild, crazy eyes staring out at Nakara's back. Stepping up where he comes out of the conduit crawl space area below the floor, these wild eyes are bathed in a solid red light from his suit's oxygen meter. Quietly pulling from beneath the floor a massive engineering wrench, this man comes up behind Nakora, hefting the wrench in his hand, raising it high above his head, shaking with weakness. 
his emaciated face and eyes staring out at Nakora's back, focused entirely on what precious oxygen remains in Nakora's tank. And with that, our episode fades to black. Thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of One Guy, One Roll. Once again, as I explained in the introduction, the length of time from when the last episode was released until now was really not something planned. It just kind of happened due to a series of events, which have now, thankfully, hopefully, been resolved. And we can get back onto a more normal release cycle for one guy, one role. Felt good to be back into the world of Ironsworn Starforged playing Nikora Sokolov. I had no idea where this episode was going to go or how the hell we were going to get out of this situation, but due to the wonderful tables presented in the Oracle section of the Iron Sworn Starforged rulebook, we've come up with these unique and interesting situations that would be challenging for someone of my creative talents to come up with on my own. Once again, this rule set for Iron Sworn in general. And specifically, the refinements having been done in Starforged are genius. I really enjoy solo role-playing games and, of course, have featured a couple of other systems on the podcast and will, of course, continue to be doing so in the future. But this Iron Sworn system, genius. It's so beautifully creative and evocative. And the concept of failing forward is something I've taken from solo role-playing and applied it to group-based games, even D&D for that matter, where, oh, just because you fail something doesn't mean progress stops. Failing forward is a concept that is challenging when first starting role-playing to, at least for me, get a grip on. A good example of failing forward was the very last scene we did this episode, where Nakora failed his face danger roll, but didn't take a suffer move. Instead, I decided without even a roll that this engineer, who reportedly was killing crew members for their oxygen, somehow still had enough, barely enough, to survive for the last week aboard this derelict spaceship. Anyways, I really hope y'all enjoyed listening to this week's episode of One Guy, One Roll. Feels kind of weird to shill the Patreon given the lack of content I've been able to produce recently, but if you're at all interested in supporting the podcast, which I do intend fully to get back into a normal release schedule for, do have a Patreon over on patreon.com slash one guy one roll. As always, 100% of the funds from Patreon go to support the podcast with hosting. I did have to get a new computer last year, upgrading recording software and hardware and everything else like that. And of course, a huge thank you to the amazing Patreon members who have continued to support the podcast despite my recent hiatus from the project. Thank you so much, Master JL, Journeyman Nick, Journeyman James, Journeyman Matt, Apprentice Sam, and Apprentice Jesse. You guys are all awesome. Thank you so much for your support. This project would be nowhere financially possible without your amazing support. Thank you. And with that, we're going to bring this episode of the One Guy, One Roll podcast to an end. As always, I've been Hero Cities, your host, player, and GM, signing off. Have a great day and stay safe out there, y'all.